This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number five, for Sunday, November 20th, 2005. Thanks for joining us. We have an exciting adventure today, and the best way I can sum up today's episode is from a voicemail we got from a man we like to call Uncle Dorco. He man in space. Dorco out. So yes, the topic of today's episode is the new adventures of He-Man, perhaps the most controversial issue to ever hit He-Man. And before we start, uh, I am John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Josh DeLioncourt, also known as just Lioncourt. And I am Katie Cartine. Okay, so what we want to first start out with is the pilot, the pilot episode that is the first episode, which will explain why He-Man is in space. But first, now Josh and I both watched this series at, when we were when it first aired back in 1988-89 in syndication. But, Katie, this is the first time you have been exposed to the new adventures of He-Man. So I would just like to get your general opinion reaction to the series. Let's see. There's so much I could say. Um, (laughs) I think I was lucky that I was not exposed to this back in the 80s. (laughs) It might have colored my... uh, fanism for he-man a bit um, but i i don't i don't hate it it's just not something i would choose to watch if i had other options in front of me um it had a very dragon ball z kind of feel to me i it looked a lot more anime-ish uh that was one thing i one impression that i had um and it was just very very different from the original um, as far as the way the characters look, the way they talk, the storyline, everything pretty much. So it, it seems like a totally separate entity to me. It, I don't necessarily classify it as He-Man in my mind. I'm sure many fans do. But to me, I'm going to just keep this out in, in a separate space from He-Man. <laughs> now, do you think that this just actually dawned on me? Do you think that fans would be more receptive if the storyline was still exactly the same, okay? But that maybe He-Man looked almost exactly like he did in Filmation. The sorceress, you know, Skeletor basically would retain their same look, but adding the new cast of characters. 
Yeah, I think that would have helped, definitely. Especially in the first episode when Skeletor looks absolutely ridiculous. Um, his <laughs> face is, I guess it's grayish, greenish or something. It, I thought it was Jim Carrey out of the mask or something. He looked <laughs> absolutely foolish to me. Um, in the later episodes when he, his face is white and he's got the red eyes, you know, he looked more... Uh, when he's got the red eyes, he looks... More evil, you know, more yes. of a villain. In the beginning, he looks just like a joke to me. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, it's, I get kind of a warm feeling when he's telling his, you know, we'll get into this when we talk about the first episode, but I get that warm feeling when he's in the royal palace talking to Randor and Marlena because they sort of look like filmation. Exactly, especially Randor. He looked almost spot on, but Marlena, of course, with her blue hair was a little <laughs> off. Yes, but uh, and it it all seemed a little rushed to me. The whole series, really, or the the episodes I saw, um, and the big. Oh wait, are we still talking about the first episode? Yes. Or are we just talking? Yeah. okay? Um, just the whole premise behind it. I wish they had spent a little more time going into that. It just seemed like okay, all of a sudden the sorceress is telling him he's got to do this thing, and oh, all of a sudden he's telling his parents he's leaving, and oh, all of a sudden he's He-Man, and they're like, oh, you're He-Man and Adam. <laughs> I don't know. I wish they had drawn that out a little bit more. Yeah, I guess it's it's the whole point of, you know, well, Eternia isn't really the marketing vehicle, you know. Mm-hmm. So they have to, at least that we did get that. I mean, can you imagine if they would have started the series out on Primus with, you know, no reference to He-Man of yesteryear. That's true. That would have been bad. Yeah. But I, I want to mention that uh, due to the wonders of technology, Josh actually is not with us right now. He couldn't be with us this weekend, so he pre-recorded his opinions on the new adventures of He-Man, and I promise I won't edit out all the nasty comments that I, I know he's going to make. <laughs> Um, but one one thing Josh wanted to point out is that the origin in the pilot episode is different than the mini comics that came with the He-Man action figures. Now, in the pilot episode, we still get Prince Adam, the you know two people from Primus, the future, come to Eternia looking for the power of the good and the way of the magic, which I, I love that little phrase. Mm-hmm. That's one good thing that came out of the uh, new adventures. But in the mini comics, it's a little different, and uh, Josh will take us through that now. We've got two major versions of the origin story for the new adventures of He-Man, or the toy line was just called He-Man. The cartoon pilot and the four-part mini comic story packaged with the figures. And... Although I don't care for either. I've expressed my dislike for the new adventures previously. I do think that the mini-comic origin story um, was a little bit better than the one uh, dealt out in the new adventures cartoon. Um, Basically, in the mini-comics, we don't have uh, Master Sabrian, Sabrian. Uh, he does not send Flipshot to the past to get the hero that will save Primus. Um, instead, it's all sort of a bit of an accident, and um, Grayskull's power is transferred into Starship Eternia um, through a trick 
by Skeletor. Skeletor learns Adam's identity. It's at least, if not a great story, it's at least a more interesting story, in my opinion. And uh, I did enjoy the mini-comic stories um, as much as one can. Of course, the biggest problem with the new adventures, yes, Dorco, He-Man in space. I've always been much more of a fan of the fantasy elements of Masters. I love the the blend, but I'm always, in in all things, much more of a sword and sorcery fan than a sci-fi fan. And, of course, with the new adventures of He-Man and the He-Man toy line, Mattel wanted to play up the sci-fi elements and play down the mystical, magical fantasy elements, which was a huge mistake, in my opinion. Um, And, of course, didn't work nearly as well as the classic Masters. Well, that's why I'm I'm really surprised, Josh, that you like the mini-comic adventure more than the actual cartoon origin, since... Josh, you mentioned that you like the fantasy elements more than the sci-fi elements. I find that the pilot episode has more of the fantasy elements than the sci-fi. I absolutely hate, 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 the idea <laughs> of one, the mini-comic, as Josh mentioned, gets rid of Prince Adam, okay? No need for Prince Adam. Okay, I'm sorry, but He-Man is not the real person here. Prince Adam is the real person. He becomes He-Man. It's kind of like, yeah, because it's it's not like Clark Kent and Superman, whereas he's kind of really Superman and not Clark Kent. You know, you're Adam, you're not He-Man. Now, a lot of people may disagree with that with me. I mean, if Adam may eventually grow in to be He-Man, but you know, I if Prince Adam is still his state of being, even if He-Man is his state of mind, if that makes any I think sense. That's a very good point. But um, and I. Oh, the power of Grayskull and Grayskull turning into the Starship Eternia. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. When I saw that on the mini comic, I was like, who, who, why, who would write this? This is bad. I don't find that compelling at all. And I, and Josh isn't here to defend, you know, his, his, his message. So he's going to yell, you know, he'll yell at me about this later, folks. So don't worry. <laughs> um, but I just, I cannot, oh, Grayskull becoming a ship. No, thank you. Uh, and it doesn't, at least in the cartoon, I don't know about in the mini comic, the ship looks nothing like Grayskull. They can oh. at least make it look like it. Yeah, you, you're totally correct. In the cartoon, I mean, it, it doesn't look anything like Grayskull. And in the cartoon, they, they name it Starship Eternia as an homage to uh, He-Man's uh, home planet. And I think that's nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't like this whole Grayskull becoming or the power of Grayskull going into Starship Eternia. I mean, a ship with the mystical powers of Grayskull in it that looks like, uh, you know, it's blue and white. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I do love the Starship Eternia playset, though. I have it. Awesome playset. How does it <laughs> love it? You can transform it all different ways. Well, one thing uh, we need to mention is when He-Man is still on Eternia in the pilot episode, he says, by the power of Grayskull. But when he's on Primus, he says, by the power of Eternia. Yeah, I wondered about that. I mean, I think this happens because of the mini-comic, since the power now comes from Starship Eternia. Oh. But there was no need to change that in the cartoon. I agree. I guess that's the source material they were, you know, they were going to go off of. 
but uh, I would have changed that. I know a lot of fans were upset, you know, because as we discussed in an earlier episode, I have the power to me isn't the He-Man's catchphrase. It's by the power of Grayskull. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, kind of sad that, uh, I don't know, by the power of Eternia just doesn't have that same ring in my book. Can we talk about how He-Man looks different? Because I really don't like his new look at all. Oh, sure. He looks like a cross between Bo and the Highlander guy. <laughs> that long ponytail. I was just, no, that that doesn't speak manly to me. I'm sorry. I mean, the, the Highlander guy, yeah, he was cool. He could cut people's heads off right on. But when I think of He-Man, I think of the original, you know, big... Andre the Giant, kind of, you know what I'm talking about, just big. Yeah, and this was, guy was just small, and I don't know. That was definitely one of the complaints. Uh, the Roger Sweet, who worked on the original Masters of the Universe toy line, in his book, uh, He-Man and the Rise and Fall of a Billion Dollar Idea, comments on the new adventures, you know, really tearing it apart, saying they really, you know, emasculated He-Man and made him this little wimp with, you know, scrawny muscles. And I will say that at least in the toy line, Mattel improved this in the later waves. The first He-Man figure released is, it looks like the cartoon. Kind of like Bo, like the built of Bo from She-Ra. But the later figures, he's he's bulked out more like the other He-Man figures that we're, that we're familiar with. That's good to hear. So they gave him a little more uh, uh, buffness, if you will. <laughs> uh, for, I mean, I like how you did, you know, it's he shouldn't have had that outfit on until he went into Primus, I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should have still maybe had a, an outfit that looked similar. Especially when the first episode is clearly, clearly trying to make itself a continuation of the previous series. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Mattel wanted to tap into somehow, you know, to connect it with the old, whatever their you know marketing reason was, instead of doing a completely new revamped idea. They still wanted it connected, so... At least they cared enough about that. <laughs> okay, let's see. I don't know what. And oh, where oh. where was Cringer? Where did he go? Very good point. There's no Cringer. I have no idea. Maybe since it, they felt uh, Primus is so far into the future that <laughs> people wouldn't be riding on cats. Yeah, I suppose. Well, one thing I'd like to get your opinion on. This is this is always the heated debate. Do you think that Primus is Eternia in the future? Hmm. Because here's here's the deal. Here's the scene we get. You know, whenever He-Man is battling Skeletor, Hydron and Flipshot push them both into the time machine. Mm-hmm. The time machine rises up. It disappears. Then they show shots of Snake Mountain turning. You know, the sky turns bright and flowers and grass grow around Snake Mountain. Mm-hmm. The the pool, the um, the pond turns back into water instead of mud, basically showing that once Skeletor's evil has left Eternia. Now, this is what I feel. It's showing Skeletor has left Eternia, so it's, you know, all the evil is gone. And Tila, in a later episode when she visits He-Man, comments to Skeletor on how peaceful and nice Eternia has been since Skeletor left. Now, a lot of people feel that that's showing the transition to Primus, not current-day Eternia. But my problem is that is, is if Snake Mountain then is still around on Primus, 
when Skeletor gets to Primus, A, would it not revert back to evil? Or B, yeah. wouldn't Skeletor seek out his old fortress? Or He-Man seek out Grayskull? I mean, I understand this could be, you know, 10 billion years into the future, okay? I mean, I can understand them not seeking it out if they didn't know that they were on the future of Eternia. Mm-hmm. But you would think that the natives would have kept it up or, you know, yeah. and a lot it of would people, be something they would know about. They make the argument that, well, this is so far in the future, history records may not have, you know, still exist for He-Man's time. But I don't, I don't know. I, I just feel that if they wanted Primus to be Eternia, they would have tapped into these things. You know, they would have made a technologically enhanced Castle Grayskull or, or something. You know what I mean? They would have built mm-hmm. on something that they already had or Snake Mountain, you know. They wouldn't have gone through all that. I just feel I'm in the camp that... It's showing Eternia turning back to good, and then he goes to Primus. Yeah. I mean, it's a little um, confusing because they do send him to the past, you know, to find He-Man. They send those people to the past. And mm-hmm. the sorceress says, you know, people from the future are looking for you. But, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the future of the of your planet. Right. You know, in, and why would they well, – because Eternia is the name of the planet, correct? Not yes. town. Yeah. So why would they change the name of the planet in the future? Exactly. Why wouldn't it? I mean, I, look how long we've been calling Earth, Earth. Right. I don't see that changing anytime soon. I mean, sure, in the future, we may live in some type of weird colony where we're living on Mars, Earth, and you know all these places, but I doubt the names are going to change. Or that the mm-hmm. records of history are going to be erased somehow. I mean, I mean, it could happen, but I just think there's stronger evidence in the episode that... Primus and Eternia are two separate planets entirely. Right, because it's not like they were really in the Dark Ages on Eternia. They had computers, you know, Man-at-Arms had all this technology. Yes, yes. So, and you know, short of a natural disaster that wiped everything out at one point, but if that had happened, how would humans have gotten back there? So, yeah, I think they're separate, yeah, personally. Very good. I'm, I'm very glad about that, because uh, <laughs> it's an argument that oftentimes comes up, and, and I, I just... It, it's very it's so much stronger in my opinion that there are two separate planets yeah all right and i like the name primus by the way since that's one oh, of my really? favorite music groups yeah oh. <laughs> i i can't say I, it's not something that rolls off your tongue that's as nicely true. as eternia or etheria yeah i just I had something to relate it to i guess well that's good that's good i can't say i'm a fan of primus so either band or planet names <laughs> I do like the name Nordor, which is the the skull rock moon that Skeletor and the mutants hang out on. Yeah, that sounds very Lord of the Rings-ish. Yeah, I, I find that that was, that was a pretty cool... I mean, if you can't have Snake Mountain, a big skull moon rock is pretty cool, I think. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and if Eternia was Primus, then... Because we never saw a big skull moon back yeah, and, on Eternia. So and and Primus is in what's called the tri-solar, or tri... I'm blanking here. The tri... Tri-something solar system. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I know I'm disappointing you with my vast uh, encyclopedia of He-Man knowledge right now. But, you know, it's just too many contradictions. Mm-hmm. So, And I mean, they had enough of the filmation source material. They knew Randor, Marlena. By the power of Grayskull, they knew I have the power. So, 
whatever. And I did like how you mentioned earlier when Skeletor left Eternia and everything turned pretty and light. It was very reminiscent of Rainbow Bright for me because that's exactly how it happens in the first episode. Once they defeat the Dark One, uh. all the darkness goes away and everything <laughs> turns to bright prettiness. So, yeah, I yeah. can relate to that. Well, well, <laughs> even though She-Ra is never mentioned in the new Adventures of He-Man or Hordak, we'll just pretend that... Eh, Eternia was okay for a while, but then Hordak reinvaded, took over, and Hordak became supreme ruler uh, and master of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that because Josh isn't here to say, no, Hordak is not the best character. The new <laughs> so we can get yeah. away with it. The new adventures of He-Man is sorely lacking appearance of Hordak and his twin sister, She-Ra. Right, now, now I know since Josh has to rely solely on the audio presentation... I know he cares a lot about the voice acting, so I'm going to give him the first dibs, if you will, <laughs> on giving an opinion on the voice acting. And I already know his opinion on the voice acting, so I'm going to save my comments for after after he does his. We've got two major versions of the origin story for the new adventures of He-Man, or the toy line was just called He-Man. The cartoon pilot... And the four-part mini-comic story packaged with the figures. And although I don't care for either, I've expressed my dislike for the new adventures previously, I do think that the mini-comic origin story um, was a little bit better than the one uh, dealt out in the new adventures cartoon. Um, basically, in the mini-comics, we don't have uh, Master Sabrian. Sabrian. Uh, he does not send Flipshot to the past to get the hero that will save Primus. Um, instead, it's all sort of a bit of an accident, and um, Grayskull's power is transferred into Starship Eternia um, through a trick by Skeletor. Skeletor learns Adam's identity. It's at least, if not a great story, it's at least a more interesting story, in my opinion. And uh, I did enjoy the mini-comic stories um, as much as one can. Of course, the biggest problem with the new adventures, yes, Dorco, He-Man in space. I've always been much more of a fan of the fantasy elements of masters i love the the blend but i'm always in in all things much more of a sword and sorcery fan than a sci-fi fan and of course with the new adventures of he-man and the he-man toy line mattel wanted to play up the sci-fi elements and play down the mystical magical fantasy elements which was a huge mistake in my opinion um and, of course, didn't work nearly as well as the classic Masters. So let's talk about the voice acting. Now, Josh, I, as he said, he can't stand He-Man's voice. <laughs> he likes him. I don't know if you know this, Katie, but in the Mike Young show from the 2000 line, mm -hmm. the guy that voices He-Man in New Adventures voices Man-at-Arms. And he, he does a fantastic job as Man-at-Arms, but I think he does a fantastic job as He-Man as well in the New Adventures. Your opinion? 
I think it got better as it went along. In the first episode, I was not impressed with him, mm-hmm. but as I watched the later episodes, I you know, it was doable for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe it was something that he was improving upon as he gained experience through the show. Well, that that's exactly what Josh points out. I mean, he feels, you know, Gary Chalk, not a bad actor. Um, obviously, great man at arms. I agree. But he finds He-Man lacking. So I mean, it's perhaps it was a work in progress on how he was, you know, refining his craft. Um, mm-hmm. Now, he hates Skeletor's voice. So, <laughs> I'm iffy on Skeletor's voice. Yeah, same here. He's definitely overacting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is Campbell Lane, who voices Skeletor, who's, you know, voices a lot of, I mean, a lot of these guys that are on the new adventures of He-Man are voicing a ton of the, you know, anime shows, Transformers now, the, you know, Mike Young He-Man show. It's kind of the same group of people that do all these shows these days. So, I mean, they're, they're in high demand. And they, I guess they've gotten maybe better, but Campbell Lane, definitely a unique Skeletor. Mm-hmm. But as Josh pointed out, he does sound more human, whereas Alan Oppenheimer sounds non-human. I, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> I know what you mean, and I agree. But Campbell Lane, definitely over the top. Over yeah. the top. Now, the Sorceress. How do you feel about the Sorceress? She is completely uh, wrong as far as I'm concerned Um, and uh, not acted well, not voiced well. The voice does not match um, what I think the character of the sorceress should be. She sounds like, you know, uh, one of these uh, 40-something, you know, um, sitcom moms from the mid-1980s, which there's nothing against those, but those aren't the sorceress. And that's how she comes across to me. I was not thrilled with her either. (laughs) Here's the thing. Uh, Katie only got to see uh, a couple of the episodes. I've seen basically the whole series. And in some episodes, I don't know what was wrong with uh, Venus. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but she voices the sorceress. I don't know what was wrong with her. (laughs) But sometimes the sorceress's voice, it ends up kind of sounding like a a weird muted Erica Scheimer. <laughs> if you take, if you take Queen Angela and make it sound kind of little more deeper and more nasaled kind of weird, I, it's real hard to describe it. In some of the episodes, I just find the sorceress's voice to be excruciatingly painful for me to listen to. <laughs> However, in the first episode, I love the sorceress's voice. <laughs> I believe they had some more, sort of effect on her voice in the first episode and in some of the mm. later episodes it must just be her the the lady's straight voice perhaps gotcha. like without the effect but you know i love it when she's like you know people are coming from the future looking for you it's very you know mystical sounding to me uh, with a slight reverbed maybe echo is is on there but it's it's just that uh, it fits for me in the pilot episode mm-hmm. all right now we haven't gotten to talk about yet the episodes of that has our good friend Tila visit and the finale, but uh, how about Tila's voice? How did you feel about that? Greetings from Eternia! Tila? But how? I'll explain later, He-Man. First, let's you and I finish them off, shall we? (laughs) Just like old times. I don't recall having a problem with her voice. It was more a problem with the way she looked and 
even the way she acted, it didn't, it wasn't reminiscent of the original Tila. I'm not sure why Tila has the valley girl thing going on. And I don't understand why her costume is different in this particular episode. All I could think of during that section when she responds to him is, oh my God, it's Alicia Silverstone from Clueless. It's just terrible. It was just terrible. Now, a lot of, well, not a lot, but speculation from fans that perhaps the Tila episode was supposed to be an appearance of She-Ra instead of Tila. Hmm. So let's, she let's, does look more like yeah. She-Ra than so Tila, yeah. Let's run a comparison here. All right, everyone. In the episode Once Upon a Time, He-Man is homesick. Boo-hoo. <laughs> so, of course, there just happens to be a rift in time where the sorceress can send someone. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> convenient. <laughs> How convenient that he, she can send someone. Now, this just shows you, too, that they're obviously... I mean, I don't know. Maybe Mattel was thinking, hmm, new adventures, not selling that well right now. Perhaps we need to, you know, bring back, you know old characters. Who knows what the thought of is, is how they were allowed to bring Tila. But Tila comes. She has more of a valley girl type voice. Josh described her as Alicia Silverstone sounding. <laughs> so that's definitely you know, clueless valley girl. She has a pink unitard on. Now obviously she didn't wear pink. But no. Tila has you know, long blondish hair. She has on a crown-type headdress that has wings on it. Mm-hmm. It screams She-Ra to me. It does not scream Tila. Yeah, I actually, when, I, when she first appeared in the episode, that was my first impression as well, that she mm-hmm. reminded me more of She-Ra. I mean, it could have been a whole rights issue, Mattel hmm. not wanting to use She-Ra, even internally. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know what, what goes on in that. Maybe She-Ra was originally planned to appear. I mean, they were thinking, hmm, new adventures of She-Ra, you know, plop that in there too. But uh, she definitely, definitely doesn't look like Tila. I don't feel she acts like Tila in any capacity, really. Yeah. She's very chummy with He-Man. More more romantic sexual tension, if you will, (laughs) than perhaps most of the episodes of the classic Filmation series. Yeah, I got a kick out of the native primacian. I don't know what you would call that. That would be Maya. Yes, how she was jealous of the attention that He-Man was paying. She, I mean, Tila. See, um, yeah, that was that was pretty funny to me. Whoops, I'm sorry. Her name is Mara, not Maya. What am I talking about? Close but it, enough. But but in any case, she was definitely definitely heavy on the jealousy. Yeah. Like, step off. This is my man now. <laughs> right? Yeah. I love when I believe He-Man and Tila are about to go take a walk towards the garden or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And there she comes over to talk to them and then they just walk off. They don't even say goodbye or do you want to come with us? Anything. It was the funniest thing. Which also, obviously, if if it was originally planned to be She-Ra, that script was definitely rewritten. <laughs> True. <laughs> because there's no, she wouldn't be, you know, frolicking around with her brother like that, you know, in, in the garden <laughs> waiting for the flowers to bloom. <laughs> oh, dear. But um, but they might have already had the design done and said, well, we'll just stick with that. Yeah. Could be. I mean, we have no basis of, of fact on this. This is pure speculation mm-hmm. about, about Tila. But at least we did get an appearance from Tila since she didn't appear in the pilot episode. The yeah. ending was horrible, though. 
the Chila episode. Yes. Do tell. What was up with Goodbye Forever? Click, she's gone. I mean, it was so just matter of fact, Goodbye Forever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, can you? Can I get a hug here? <laughs> can I get a tear? Can I get some kind of emotion? Yeah. It was ridiculous. It's completely destroyed by the acting. It's very rushed. Um, and what could be this very touching moment um, just comes across completely flat and meaningless. And that's really too bad. Yeah, you think, I mean, you know, she kn- thinks she's never going to see him again. And right. he knows, you know, oh, oh, you're right. I never actually thought of that. That is a great point because and- there's definitely something wrong with that. Right. And then all the, and also the fact that his homesickness was gone, you know, as soon as she shows up, I'm like, what about your family? Don't you miss them? Yeah. You know, he, he either mentions his, I think he says he misses his parents and friends in the episode. I don't think he said family, which ticked me off because he mentions parents, friends, but you know, not his dear sister. Right. What's but, up with that? but of course, you know, maybe he's just used to being, you know, one can use the excuse that he's used to her not being around anyway since she lives on another planet and all, and didn't know about her until, you know, he was a grown adult. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm happy Tila got to appear. Lots of Eternian references. You know, they say Eternia, and, you know, they make comments, you know. not Nothing like, oh, I was at Castle Grayskull yesterday and I was talking to Orko, but, (laughs) but, you know, enough to make you get that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Yeah, every time they would, uh, you know, let me start that over. Every time they would get ready to go into battle, they'd be like, oh, just like old times. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool, too. Yeah. And I guess Tila was right when saying goodbye forever. Because in the finale, the final episode of the series, there's not even a mention of, hey, Skeletor's gone. He-Man can I go can home. go home now, right? <laughs> I mean, ugh. I understand, you know, you might have to leave it open possibility of a second season, Mm. I guess. But I mean, I got the impression that it was pretty final. Yeah, same here. (laughs) Since Skeletor is, you know, sent off into space. The mutants uh, from Denebria, they surrender rather kind of quickly, too, don't they? Yeah, I noticed that as well. It's like, you know what? We surrender. <laughs> We're at peace. Let's live in harmony. Yada, yada, yada. That was way too quick. Too mm-hmm. much. As, as Josh has, will, has mentioned or will mention after this, I know he feels that, that that episode definitely had too much action in it and not enough story for a f- finale. Mm-hmm. The mutants surrender too fast. And He-Man, this is the biggest... He-Man has... He doesn't mention that he can go home now. I mean... He's it's, just going to stay there with these people i mean sure there is friends by that point but yeah it's just not the same yeah it's it that makes no sense to me uh, they obviously you know they knew this is the last episode the toy line is tanking by now there's no second season going to happen they sense the skeletor the main villain because flog was never the main villain it was always skeletor yeah absolutely. so and flog and them you know surrender sure they could go back on their word for a second season but you're not going to do it without Skeletor. Wait, there's no way Flog could be the main villain. They would have had to brought someone in, mm-hmm. like Hordak or something. I don't know, but I'd love that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but no mention of him going home. They could have had a colossal scene of He-Man 
Now, see, this is where Mattel needs to think of things, okay? <laughs> He-Man, they could have had this awesome scene, right? He-Man returns to Eternia to find it in turmoil or something. Ooh. Maybe, yes, yeah, sure, Skeletor was sent off in space, but he got back to Eternia. Or Bordax <laughs> invaded, or something totally new to revamp He-Man again. You know, things, that would have been cool. Things like Transformers have been going on for how long? Right. How long? You cannot tell me that there was no way to subs- you know, sustain He-Man like that. True, true. Sure, you're going to deviate from what the original fans are used to. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. But, you know, take a chance. And I guess they kind of did with the new adventures. Maybe they thought, well, <laughs> it's just not going to work. But, you know, that could have been a great, great thing. I agree. But, the ending of that was just kind of blah to me. Yeah, I mean... The, the fight scene was okay. I mean, Mara sitting there whipping her hair at people was <laughs> a bit odd for me. But it worked to me. It still showed the compassion that the good guys have. They didn't kill the chick. You know, she pulled her out from under that rock that was about to fall on her. Um and then sending them off into space in the spaceship was also very reminiscent of Rainbow Bright, which, again, made me laugh because that's exactly <laughs> how they send off the villains at the end of the Rainbow Bright movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. But the uh, the good guys, they say, what is it they say at the end? Like, safe journey instead of good journey. Like, uh. I thought maybe that's where they got the live action saying from, but that wasn't even the same. Um yeah, I don't know. It didn't do a whole lot for me. Yeah, we will say, though, that it is the only He-Man cartoon series to have an actual ending. The He-Man series didn't have an ending, Filmation. The She-Ra series has the kind of... It's not an ending, per se, but you can tell it was... In the last episode of She-Ra, which is uh, Swifty's baby... It's real odd. They're all kind of standing there, and they, they say, for the honor of Skull at the end. And this is, like, not just She-Ra. These are other people. I'm like, why do they know this phrase? Hmm. But we'll get into that in another episode. <laughs> but so that wasn't, you know, that's not a series finale, though. The Horde it was still on Etheria and still a mm-hmm. problem, even though it was kind of an attempted feel-good ending type, type deal. And in, the, and in the Mike Young show... There's no ending there. The last scene of the last episode in that one is Zodak flying off on his chair. (laughs) What a way to end a series. Right? (laughs) A third tier character flying off on his chair. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what can you do? So, So I have to give it props for at least it had the knowledge that it was, you know, 65 episodes. That's the end. It actually did a finale, even though it could have been quite better. Uh, than mm-hmm. it was, but it did get a finale. And we will say, New Adventures of He-Man, a lot of people do not realize this, 65 episodes. Hmm. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I was mean, even if you don't like a lot less than Yeah, that. if you don't like the series, that's fine, but it, it has 65 episodes. <laughs> I'm using that <laughs> as some time of justification that it deserves to be here, but... <laughs> And I will say the music. I love the music. It was also it was done by Saban and um, who also did the He Man and She Ra music. I actually was not thrilled with the music. Oh really? I was not. I was 
it wasn't bad by any means, but it just, it didn't impress me. It wasn't anything that that would have stuck with me, I think. Even Uh, if I had watched the entire series, you wouldn't see me sitting here humming the the music like I I would from the original show. I don't think it's as catchy, obviously. Right. It's not even as catchy as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles music, probably. Yeah. Or whatever. (laughs) See if you remember that. But but I still liked it. It it fit for the series, I thought. Spacey and... I don't know. I enjoy it. I would buy a soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's just me. Yeah. We'll forgive you. (laughs) Well. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. Um, in watching some of these episodes, the incidental music throughout the, the the episodes in the background is not that bad. I'm not a fan of the New Adventures theme. I don't think that is a good theme at all. Totally unmemorable as far as I'm concerned. But the incidental music um, at times is, mem- is uh, well done, um, very reminiscent of the classic cartoon. And... I think probably the main reason why I cringe when I hear most of it, not all, but most of it, is the fact that I don't don't personally think, from a musician's standpoint, that the production values on the incidental music for this series were nearly um, as good as they were for the classic series. It's very obviously uh, synthesized and, you know, cheaply synthesized at that. and there, there are a few uh, numbers in the background that really make me cringe, that make me feel like I'm watching a 60s cartoon, um, sort of like the background music from the Jetsons or something um, that really doesn't fit with He-Man. But um, there, are, there are some uh, pieces of music from this that I actually enjoyed, and... Uh, too bad that it could not uh, i think probably the audio the acting the music suffered a bit um for you know as a trade-off for the better animation because i've i have been told that the animation uh, if not the character designs at least the the motion the actual animation part of the series um looked a bit better than the filmation um even if the artwork was not up to scratch anything else we need to mention or I thought it was funny how no one in the series apparently has to use the bathroom. Um, <laughs> in the final episode, when they put He-Man and the other guys in that zoo, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be displayed for people to look at. Yeah, they were feeding them through this little slot. I didn't see a toilet in that room anywhere. <laughs> and at the end, when they send Skeletor and the chick off in the spaceship, they're in this little enclosed area. <laughs> With these things wrapped around them, what are they going to do? They're going to die in a week because they can't eat, drink, or, you know. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, we're good. We can't kill Skeletor. That would be wrong. But we can send him off into space and, you know, let him soil soil and starve himself. (laughs) (laughs) That's just my adult realism creeping in. I'm sure for children it was fine. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, that's a good point, though. You know, a lot of times... We think of these. That's one thing, uh, just to deviate a little from cartoons. On Seinfeld and Friends, they would show characters leaving, going off to the bathroom. Ah. You know, not a lot of shows do that. Like, I don't know. I, I can't remember I can't remember bathroom break on Cheers. Okay. But, <laughs> but I constantly remember, you know, like Elaine, Jerry, you know, using the bathroom in, in Seinfeld's apartment. Or when, when Friends were at, uh, you know, the cafe. 
or the coffee house, excuse me, they would, you know, go to the bathroom. They'd leave the scene to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Realism. It can work in cartoons. <laughs> you know, or at least they'll say, oh, excuse me. <laughs> and then they leave. I don't know. <laughs> but perhaps, yeah, maybe on the world of Eternia, that's just not needed. It evaporates. <laughs> or excuse me, the world of Primus. It evaporates. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's good. <laughs> bothered me they're in this little wreck i mean triangle room <laughs> with nothing at all silly and one thing uh i can mention that michael reeves i mentioned this in another episode i believe of master's cast but michael reeves only one to write for all three he-man series filmation he-man new adventures hmm. of he-man and the mike young productions he-man hold on i gotta say that again i don't know if you heard that but my weather bug just beeped <laughs> one thing I, I do want to mention uh one thing i do want to mention real quick michael reeves I believe I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but he's the only one to write for all three He-Man sh- series. So this is, of course, excluding She-Ra, but Filmation He-Man, New Adventures of He-Man, and the Mike Young Productions He-Man cartoon. Michael Reeves penned at least one script for each of those. So kudos to Michael Reeves for being the only writer to write for all of our beloved he-Man cartoons, excluding She-Ra. <laughs> <laughs> that is very cool. So I, I kind of like that. It's always, it's it's kind of cool when you have, you know, people that already are familiar, even though it's a different take on the characters, but are still familiar with that character. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you want a new spin. Sometimes you also want a little bit of, you know, something that's a little familiar. And Very good point. Could have given that to us. Another thing about New Adventures, there were a lot of continuous storylines. We didn't get that in Filmation's He-Man, really. Whereas the hmm. storyline, you know, would be carried out throughout many of the episodes in the New Adventures. And they did a lot of this in the Mike Young Productions He-Man cartoon as well, which I really like. You know, it's nice. You have, like, say, a show like Seinfeld. You can basically watch any episode of that and kind of understand. There's not real long strings of continuity lines. That's true. But, like, Friends, for instance, you know, you have a lot of those you know, storylines going on. That's mm-hmm. more like the new adventures of He-Man and the Mike Young He-Man. You have that storylines that are kind of weaving throughout the entire series where you kind of have some of those in She-Ra since, you know, you had the five-part movie and all, but not really in, in, in the Filmation He-Man. So at least they, they did try to keep a nice line of continuity on the new adventures of He-Man. So that's always good when, you know, cartoon series are, are paying that much attention to their own plot line. Mm-hmm. And He-Man seemed to change as well as the story, at least as far as looks go. Mm-hmm. Like in the very beginning, he had short hair, and by the end of it, he had the long ponytail. Yeah, so that's... that was kind of cool that it kind of showed an, an aging process. Yeah, that's more too of the, they, they did add the little ponytail on the uh, action figure. Of ah. course, it's it's not sticking out or anything. You can just tell it's molded into the hair. Gotcha. So they did change the sword on the later figures but they kept the uh the sword and i'd like to say oh this is one thing i did want to mention i'm glad you uh had mentioned uh, that that made me think of this he-man's action figure has that neon yellow sword uh, Mm -hmm. which i love but i love love the design of the sword (laughs) i am not i am not as enthusiastic about the mike young productions you know techno sword uh that we got 
Yeah, I don't really like that one either. But of course, nothing beats the classic sword design. Love that. Mm -hmm. But the new adventure sword, love it. I love it. I I love the design of that sword. I like it better in the cartoon because it's that kind of cool blue metal color. Mm -hmm. But uh, instead of, you know, the whole neon neon yellow as the toy (laughs) has. But I love the design of that sword. I don't know why. I'm just it's so compelling to me. I love it. (laughs) You're going to have to get a replica made someday. Well, what's great is is sadly the electronic toy for the new adventure sword doesn't look like the sword but the light up sword does and i actually just won that on ebay and it came in today so it's in celebration well this i guess gives it away we don't record these on sunday people but (laughs) it came on a day of the week that i can get mail and i held it there and i was like this sword is awesome now I just have to get batteries for it so I can light it up and run around and play with it and pretend I'm 10 years old again. You must take video. She's giving me ideas, folks. She's giving me ideas. This is bad. And I did want to take a moment this week in this episode to thank all of you who have been sending us emails. Uh, we've gotten many this week, and we are very thankful for your feedback. Um uh, Mostly positive. I can't really think of anything negative we've gotten this week. So that's also a good thing. Um, but yeah, please keep them coming. We really enjoy those comments. And if you've got any suggestions, we'll definitely keep those in mind for future episodes. Yeah, it's just, it's great when we hear back. Because as fans, for fans, you know, f- you know, this podcast is by fans for fans. So if we're not, you know, pleasing the fans, what's the point? So we're very, very excited that the fans have really embraced the podcast, you know, even more so than we imagined. And there's such a wide age range as well. I imagined all the feedback would probably be from people around our age, Mm -hmm. but we got one this week from someone who was 15, I believe, um, which I think is just totally awesome. So the the fact that we're reaching such a wide range of people in, in different countries as well. I just think that's fantastic. And I think that really bodes well for the future success of He-Man and She-Ra in, in general, that, that it still even has fans that are that young. That's a good point. So, I mean, people are still discovering He-Man and She-Ra. So hopefully, hopefully something is done to capitalize again on the name recognition. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're, and we need to keep it going this time, like yeah. Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Come on, people. He-Man is better than Transformers. Any day of the week. Any day of the week. Oh, <laughs> yes. I got, we got another voice, some voicemails. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I don't like G.I. Joe. Um, <laughs> I knew when I said that big long list, you know. Oh, and by the way, yeah. I thought of some other ones I can't stand. <laughs> You know, you know, it may be a surprise to you, but I hate Looney Tunes. I don't like Looney Tunes. I saw oh, I, I don't like them too either. many times as a kid. You know, that's the problem. You know, it exactly. just it's not, you know, it's not, you know, near and dear to my heart like He Man and She-Ra was. It's just I was and like, it was predictable as yeah, long as like, oh, oh, please. I absolutely hate Pirates of Dark Water. That is actually my most hated cartoon series. So you guys who think I'm really against the Thundercats, um, <laughs> can rest assured that I would rather watch Thundercats 24 hours a day, 365 days a week, than sit through one episode of The Pirates of Dark Water. How that show lasted even as long as it its short run did is beyond me because, oh, it was mind-numbingly boring to me. I couldn't take it. 
I've never seen that one. I think I'll consider yourself of it now that I've heard that. Consider yourself lucky. But, you know, my, my point of saying that uh, all the shows I don't like last week was just, a, you know, to say that, you know, OK, I don't like Thunder, uh, Thundercats, but I, there's a lot of other ones I don't like that you may like or you may hate, too. Just as, you know, Josh loved Garfield. I hated Garfield, liked Heathcliff instead. You know, there's just a lot of that. I mean, there are a lot of cartoons I like besides He-Man and She-Ra. I'd hate for people to think that I'm biased. You know, it's just a He-Man he and She-Ra. I like Tiny Toons. I liked Animaniacs. I like Ninja Turtles. Loved Power Rangers, even though that's not a cartoon. Um, I love the Carmen Sandiego cartoon series. Um, Super Mario Brothers, Zelda, DuckTales. Awesome. So, so, you know, Inspector Gadget. It's just, uh, we all have different tastes. And, and I just don't happen to like Thundercats, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Pirates of Dark Water. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But it shouldn't matter to you guys because you all love He-Man and She-Ra and that's what you're here listening for. So that's right. we're going to keep the matters. focus on that unless we decide to do a podcast in the future comparing He-Man and She-Ra to others 80 cartoons and bet your bottom dollar that I will have a notebook of notes ready <laughs> for that comparison list that we'll perhaps be doing in a future episode. Uh, some important dates we'd like to remind you of. The He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special will be out on DVD December 6th, Tuesday, December 6th. You must go buy this. Absolutely. Because A, it's the holiday season, folks. <laughs> buy that stocking stuffer. It'll be available. <laughs> For everybody you know. <laughs> yes, it'll definitely, it'll be available at Best Buy. And you got to buy it. I'm sure it's not that expensive. It's, it's done by the same people that have been releasing the He-Man DVDs. The quality is going to be fantastic. And the other reason you have to buy it it has She-Ra in it, and it has Hordak in it. And we all know that Hordak was the greatest character ever <laughs> created in Masters of the Universe. And Adora is one foxy lady. Right, right folks? So you have to pick up the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. It will be available Tuesday, December 6th on DVD. So please, please pick that up. And we will definitely have a review of it that week or the week after or the week before. I'm not sure how it's going to work yet, but we'll definitely have a review of the Christmas special for the holiday season. All that good cheer and Prince Adam dressed up as Mr. Ho 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 Santa Claus himself. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Josh DeLioncourt, also known as Just Lioncourt. And I'm Katie Carty, also known as Rainbow Bright. Good, Good journey! journey. <laughs> <laughs> I have a cramp in my foot. I, I'm standing up right now. And I, oh, I hate it when that happens.